Welcome into Saturdays with Kramer right here on the Bet 1660. I would say it's our Christmas holiday special. I guess that's what you want to call it. Because next week, next Monday, not this Monday, but the next Monday following that, it's Christmas. Christmas time around Kansas City. It's the Saturday Kramer on the Bet 1660. I'm your host, Kramer Sansone. Chime in as always on the X app at Kramer Talks on there. Comments, questions, best bets, you got it. All coming your way later on. But today's show, we have my reaction to Shohei Otani's big, humongous, enormous, gigantic, $700 million player. Yeah, that happened. That happened. Shohei's a Dodger. We'll discuss that. The Kansas City Royals are, can we classify them as the brand new Royals? You need, to be, you need to be excited, Kansas City. need to be excited what the Royals are doing here because it's just fantastic. Zhang-Ho Lee is a giant. Some done deals, some trades that have happened in baseball. We'll also, in the second hour, get to our hot takes. And also, joining me in the second hour, buddy of mine, Ryan Larson, will be in studio with me. He uh, works out I'm here at Odyssey. So he has he's a, he's, a, he's a gambling degenerate such as myself, and uh, we've been on a roll as of late with our bets. So we got that to get to in the second hour and also... I got some NBA to talk about because uh, this player should not be, I don't think, in the NBA anymore, and it's for good reason. We'll discuss that in the second hour. But first things first, Shohei Otani lands the, the Los Angeles Dodgers. It took them more than two to three weeks. It's funny how Shohei Otani apologized on his social medias for how long it took for this deal to get done because I'm assuming he did not want the people to wait and he did not let them wait no more because Shohei Otani sent a 10-year, $700 million deal to stay in Los Angeles. But instead of, being, uh, instead of being over on the side of the Angels side of things, it's it's not so much so because he decides to go to the, the in-town rival, the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the thing is, so much is going to be done with this contract because this is a record-breaking contract. The thing for the, the contract details is Shohei Otani is only get paid $2 million for 10 years. So for the for 10 years straight, he'll get paid $2 million each year. So he's getting paid a total of $20 million in 10 years. Then after that, everything's backloaded. So he's going to get up to, well, he's going to, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be also inflated a little bit because of kind of like the Bobby Bonilla type of deal. So Shohei's going to get paid 60, what, $8 million? Not even that. How close is that going to be the math-wise? I don't know. I just know that he has $680 million left. He's going to get paid from 2034 to 2043, I believe. It's just all the back years after the contract is said and done. So I believe the Dodgers were able to they were able to finesse the system, work the system, because Shohei Otani wants to make it to the postseason, and Shohei Otani wants to win a World Series. There's no reason for you to be in Major League Baseball and not have the aspiration and goals for doing that. So Shohei Otani took a team-friendly deal for this 10 years, and I'm just saying, as a Do- I'm not a Dodgers fan whatsoever, but Dodgers fans right now, you should be happy to what you're about to be am I getting because after you signed Shohei Otani, the jersey sales skyrocket to the roof. He's, I mean, it's a new jersey. Everybody, If everybody loves Shohei Otani... No matter what, they're going to buy themselves a Shohei Otani jersey or some type of Shohei Otani memorabilia. 
But the lineup's bonkers. This contract's bonkers. The Dodgers making their money back overnight. Everything is going stri- straight for the Dodgers and f- to the plus category of things. And this was Shohei's comments on the uh, when he was there at the podium, which was honestly, I think contract announcings at podiums that are in a big, broad spectrum of everywhere. It's awkward. I think it's really awkward. But this is what Shohei Sani Otani said. I can't wait to join the Dodgers. They share the same passion as me. They have the vision, the history, all about winning. And I share the same values. That is Shohei Otani's quote. And it's the truth. He wants to win a World Series. And for him, taking a team-friendly-esque type of deal now helps them retool and reload the entire one pitching rotation into the lineup around Shohei Otani. The Angels would have no chance or no shot of doing what they did. And the thing with the, 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 the Dodgers did was they didn't stop there. They knew they needed a pitcher. So what did they do? They went out there and they traded for Tyler Glass now. Tyler Glass now was a guy that was a a big name, possible trade candidate, and I didn't think the Dodgers were going to pull the trigger on it, but they decided to sign Shohei literally one week ago today. I love how I get off the air three hours later, maybe two hours later, maybe if it was even one hour later, Shohei Otani's deal was signed, dotted, and delivered, and was uh, posted out everywhere, and the entire social media went crazy for how much money the guy got. But they got Tyler Glass now, Emmanuel Margot as well from the Rays, in exchange for Ryan Rippett and John and outfitter Johnny DeLuca. This uh, trade is a condition of Glass now signing an extension with Los Angeles, and they ended up doing so. The Dodgers signed Tyler Glass now to a four-year $110 million contract. The deal also includes a $30 million club option for an additional year. Glass now can exercise his $20 million player option as well. So you, you land Shohei Otani for a cheap 10-year, $20 million deal for 10 years. That's basically what they got for this 10-year deal. Then you get Tyler Glass now for four, maybe five, maybe six years added on top of that. You're going to have a ace in Tyler Glass now, which they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with their old ace in Clayton Kershaw. Well, it seems like he's – didn't he sign a deal back there to stay there? For some reason, my mind is not um, regulating that that deal even happened. But the changing of the guards happening. We see the Clayton Kershaw's time is coming, dwindling down from the Dodgers uniform, and Tyler Glass now is thrusted in there to basically be that replacement. Imagine Tyler Glass now and Walker Bueller is that one-two punch. Then if Dustin um, May, or Dustin Ma, however you pronounce his last name, comes in there and beats his three. You got Julio Urias as the four. This is a solid pitching rotation that can continue to add more. They even still have Ryan Yarbrough. Remember, he was a Kansas City Royal last year. They have a decent to solid to, oh my gosh, this team is absolutely loaded with talent and studs. Can they get to the postseason? Yes. Are the Dodgers always in the postseason? Yes. Are we going to expect Shohei Otani in the postseason? Yes. Is this deal going to fail? I don't think it's going to fail. If it's going to fail, it's going to be past the Shohei Otani block that we will all see. And when Shohei Otani ever, if he ever retires, which at this point in time, we don't even need to speculate when he's going to retire. So at some point, they are going to retire. But I think after this 10-year deal, I think Shohei Otani probably doesn't want to give up baseball. Granted, he's going to get paid a boatload of money. But I could see Shohei Otani DHing until he's like 45, maybe 46, maybe 47. I think Shohei Otani is going to change the game and how we see a person performance, how they adapt it to their body, doing the the right exercises on and off the field. 
I bet we see Shohei Otani once he's done pitching and hangs it up, and we know he's not pitching at all for this entire upcoming season. But once that's once he's, I, I would say, deemed done pitching, which is probably by the year 10 of his contract with the Dodgers, he's going to sign DH contracts, kind of like how Nelson Cruz did. And Nelson Cruz, what, retired at the age of 44, maybe 43, maybe 45, maybe around that age. I just know Nelson Cruz was pushing the mid-40s. Shohei Otani can do exactly the same thing. He's 29 years old, and once his contract's over, he's 39. He probably still has three to four to five more seasons left of being an elite bat speed type of guy because you know he's going to adapt. That's just what he does. He lives, eat, breathe, sleep, repeat baseball. That's exactly what Shohei Otani does, and he also has his dog decoy, which, by the way, there was one person that was going to steal the show. Well, at least one thing or animal or inanimate object or however you want to classify it. It's going to be a puppy. Decoy. And you know who they brought up on the stage? Well, they didn't bring him up on the stage. They brought the the thought of Decoy up on the stage. Shohei Otani. This is Shohei talking about his pup. えー、ま、デコピンって言うんですけど。あの、ま、こっちの人はあんまりその発音的に難しい、難しいっていうか、あれなので、ま、元の名前がディコイっていうので、ま、こちらの人に説明するときは、ま、呼びやすいディコイっ
The Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers in the playoffs, but it's going to be so much different now because of Shohei Otani. And I mean, I'm only, I'm only talking about Otani. They have Tyler Glass now too, and heck, still would not be shocked if somehow they get Yamamoto as well. Would not be shocked. And then the Dodgers are going to be like how the New York Yankees are, just spending, spending, spending. Let's get to the postseason. Let's get let's win that World Series. We're putting all the money in the basket. We're making sure we get the most talented players out here in Major League Baseball. And can it happen? Sure. But can it also flop in people's faces where people try teams try to acquire the best talented players and then nothing happens? Like, I don't know. The team that's in their division right now, San Diego Padres, it's just like the exact same copy paste repeat. But the thing is, two different organizations, two different mindsets, two different ball clubs. One's a good ball club, one's a subpar ball club for the, the last 30, 40, 50 years. The good ball clubs clear the Dodgers. The subpar one's the Padres. Just saying. But this great move, great, great move by the Dodgers. And I'll tell you what, that wasn't the only surprising, shocking, exhilarating move that happened in Major League Baseball because the Kansas City Royals have finally said, we're fed up with this. We're done with this. We are not kidding and we're not joking around when we say that the 2023 season was an eval season because the Royals came out here and they have made money, money moves. They spent money, people. Kansas, Kansas City, the Kansas City Royals have spent money. I don't know how much I can say this and preach this, that there's a different air. There's a different buzz right now when it comes to the Kansas City Royals because they are finally spending money. And I woke up this morning to a, I, I love the MLB trade rumors uh, page on X. And it's just, it, I love it. It, it. it caters to me and what I need and how I process the stuff in my mind. Because I saw that there was a potential trade with Jesus Luzardo possibly coming to the Kansas City Royals for Vinny Pasquantino. And I thought to myself, what in the world, why in the world would the Royals want to trade Vinny Pasquantino for Jesus Luzardo? And it makes sense. The Royals are going to go get a first baseman. If this, if somehow they still shop Vinny Pasquantino around there, there's one big bat first baseman that's still out there that I can think, you know what? He might have tore his ACL in spring training last year. And maybe you sign to a one-year, two-year deal for the expect with all the, the contracts that you're sending out here right now, which we'll get to here shortly. But Reese Hoskins is still a free agent. That's the first thing that went in my mind was if somehow, some way, those trade talks do come back up between the Marlins and the Royals, whether or not they want to trade Vinny Pasquantino, who the Pasquatch, one of the, the fan favorites here in Kansas City, if I'm thinking of two guys that I would not trade right now if Kansas City Royal is Vinny Pasquantino and Bobby Witt Jr., those are the two guys I circle and say, hey, these are guys are staying. But if somehow, in some way, you can get Jesus Lazardo out of Vinny Pasquantino, you pull the trigger right now because there is so much upside in that young lefty from the Marlins that it the, the potential is skyrocketing through the roof. And you add him into this pitching rotation, he could be your one. He could be your two. He could probably be your three. But we already know who your one and two or three is, probably how it's already set up to where what they've already signed. Reese Hoskins is still a free agent. People, Reese Hoskins Hits bombs. Still a free agent. Still shocking that he's still a free agent. He can DH. He can play first base. He is a perfect royal to be like, you know what? I didn't play at all last season. Let me get that prove it one-year deal. Come to Kansas City. 
if they trade Vinny Pasquantino, that's just if they trade Vinny Pasquantino. Because if that, I was once again still absolutely shocked that I saw that Vinny Pasquantino was sh- was shopped around when they said 2023 was an ev- eval season. Vinny got hurt in May or June, and he was shut down the remainder of the season. So it's not like there was a very good evaluation on what Vinny Pasquantino can do for a full 162. Has we have yet to see that? Because yeah, last this last season was a sophomore season technically. That's wild to think this is going to be his third baseball season coming in here as a as a Royals. So, the Royals, this is what they've done so far. Backtrack this week. I think it's on Monday. Maybe it was a Sunday. What well, Backtrack this week. They signed Will Smith. They bring back Will Smith, not the actor, but the pitcher that they had in their organization when he debuted as a Kansas City Royal. They brought him back on a one-year $5 million deal, presumably being the, probably the closer for this team. Then, the next day, the Royals sign right-handed pitcher Seth Lugo to a three-year, $45 million deal. And I'm thinking, okay, had a decent season last year, was able to solidify himself as a 3-4 guy in San Diego, and it's kind of like a stopgap if somebody kind of messed up. Say it's like you had Blake Snell, then you had Mike Clevenger. If Mike Clevenger screwed up, then you had Seth Lugo right behind him to get them back on, to, back on track. That's what Seth Lugo was for the San Diego Padres. They signed him to a three-year, $45 million deal. The Royals also signed right-handed pitcher, former St. Louis Cardinal and Texas Ranger, World Series champion Chris Stratton, to a one-year, $3.5 million deal. With this is also having a $4.5 million player club option. Not club, it's a player option, actually, for the 2025 season. So possibly a two-year deal with Chris Stratton, which... Could be your seven, could be your eight guy in this bullpen. The Royals yesterday, on a Friday of all days, shockingly, they they decided to put some news out on a Friday. They actually put two big newses out on a Friday. They signed um, right-handed pitcher Michael Waka to a two-year, $32 million deal. Michael Waka's been bouncing around the, the, the majors here as of late. Played for the Padres last season. Played for the Red Sox. We saw him in a St. Louis Cardinals uniform, among others. So Michael Waka out there. Comes to the Royals on a two-year, thirty-two million dollar deal. Great signing. I, this is your this is your number two in this pitching rotation, or number three in this in this Kansas City Royals pitching rotation. I love Michael Walker. Funny thing is, fun fact. I remember Michael Walker's debut against the Cardinals, Kansas City Royals. I think it was like 2013, 2014. The game got delayed because of rain. The game picked up at like two o'clock in the morning, and then they finished it. That was Michael Walker's debut. Fun fact. That is a very fun fact that for some reason to this day is just engraved in my mind because I watched the full game and I also watched the rain delay coverage of the Kansas City Royals and of the St. Louis Cardinals because they both were going at the same time and how the, the programs worked up in St. Joseph was one channel was 24 and one channel was 25, I believe, or 25 and 20. I don't know. I, I just know I was able to watch both of them. Uh, and then also the Royals, before they signed the Michael Walker deal, I have been preaching. I have been saying they need an outfield bat that can also field. Well, they got a guy that could be a potential gold glover out there in right field or left field or center field. Wherever you put him out in the outfield, he has an absolute arm. He actually has two of them, but the one that he has on his right side of his throwing arm is an absolute laser when he does unleash it and untorque it. The Royal signed outfielder Hunter Renfro to a two-year $13 million deal with an opt-out after the 2024 season, plus a half a million signing bonus performance bonus for each season. Hunter Renfro's good. This might be his eighth team in seven years, but he's been bouncing around the majors so much that I don't think it matters. He's like a gun for hire. He's a bounty hunter. He's a guy that's going to demolish polarized baseballs, hit some moonshots. It's going to be like that. Expect 
the the Hall of Fame area to be pelted with baseballs from Hunter Renfro. Heck, even the O and of the Hall of Fame is probably going to have maybe one, maybe two baseballs being lodged inside of it because he's going put to put it right to the O. It's exactly what he's going to do. Hunter Renfro, this is, it's a fun, exciting time if you're going to be a Kansas City Royals fan because of these moves. I think with how this division is set up and set around, the Royals could have a winning season this year. If they're over under a set at, say, 68 and a half, maybe 70 and a half, you should feel confident in smashing that over for once. I know two years ago I said you should you should definitely smash the over for the Royals. I know that two years ago. Didn't work out. It didn't even work out last year. The Royals just only needed 61 wins. They only got like 50-something. If the over is 68 and a half, smash the yes. Over. If it's 70 and a half, yeah. If it's 80 and a half, yeah. The Royals can win this division. Remember, the Twins is the only team that... The Twins won this division last year, and they're the only team that had a winning record. Tigers stink. But they're gonna—they're better. They got—they've—they've—they've they've, they've done better to move this bull, the, their pitching rotation and their bullpen better. They've done—they've made moves. White Sox haven't done nothing. White Sox may be the worst team in this division now. The Guardians—they're—they're they're falling. They're teetering away. They're—they're—they're—they're—they're te- they're, they're, they're not good anymore. They're—they're they're not like the the mid two thousand the two two thousand tens where they were uh, they're solid making it to the postseason and all that. We're talking about tire Twins. Twins are not the same team from last season. And remember, they were the team that won this division. Pitching's gone. Maybe if their bats turn around. Like this, if they, the bats do what they did last year, maybe they do good. I, I don't trust Carlos Correa's bat to stay evenly consistent, kind of like how he was the back half of the season last year. He was a, a slow, slow start at the beginning of the season. The Royals could win. If they start off hot, If they, it's always about the first month of the season, the first two months of the season for the Kansas City Royals. Those are the, the biggest detrimental factors for the Royals because they never start off hot ever. Maybe 2015. What happened there? They won a World Series. I feel like how the Royals' mindset is, if they can't get through April, if they can't get through May with at least a 500 record, if it's below 500, you can just keep this season as a wash and continue to copy, paste, repeat what we've seen since 2016. So... There you go. The Royals are making moves. You should be happy for it. And now, can we get a deal done with this downtown ballpark? We see, I see, I've noticed, I was I was all on board with this Kansas City Royals decision of going downtown. Still am going on, on board for this going downtown because baseball is meant to be downtown. The Royals are finally putting a product on the field for us to go out and enjoy right now. So get your butts in the seats, watch Royals games. It's going to be fun this year. I'm actually excited to go to games this year. I went to maybe a lot of games last year. I'm not going to count off the top of my head. I went to a lot of Royals games last year. And I love baseball. So no matter what, I'm at the ballpark. I'm having a fun time. But if I'm a Royals fan, I'm not having, I did not have a fun time if I was watching the games last year because I'm pretty sure I only saw two wins of the 15 games I went to at Kauffman. I saw two wins. We're going to see a lot more. Bear, Royals fans, be excited about this. They are, they're finally doing something. They're finally doing something. 
So get around it. Be excited. Michael Walker, love the guy. Absolutely love Hunter Renfro, love the guy. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. This is how it's coming around the bet 1660. Man, I love baseball. I love baseball. I know it's not for some. I know. We're going to get to done deals when we come back. Jung Ho Lee has found himself on the Bay side of things out there in California. We'll discuss that. In the second hour, we got Ryan. My buddy Ryan's going to be joining me. And uh, we're going to be talking a lot of football. A lot of football, some basketball, some bets have been hot. I've been having a lot of fun sports gobbling. Having a lot of fun doing that. This is South Carolina, the Bet 1660. We'll, we'll do something next. Done deals. That's what we'll do. We'll do that next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660. Welcome back into Sarah's of Kramer right here in the Bet 1660. I am Kramer. Yours true. Follow me on the X app at Kramer Talks. I talk baseball, football, you name it. That's what we do here on the Bet 1660 and also when I'm not on the Bet 1660. Yeah. Christmas is in what? Nine days? I just had my Christmas festivities last night with my family. The only time we could do it, it was weird, 10 days prior. It felt awkward. It was good. It was fun to see the family. It was good. Enjoyed it. Won five bucks on a lottery. One more money on uh, the ESPN bet app. <laughs> I'm seeing the field right now. And I don't, I, don't, I don't like being this confident at all. But it is what it is. And, but being confident is a good thing. Especially when a team can confidently say they've got one of the better foreign players that was posted to Major League Baseball. No, it's not Shohei Otani. No, it's not uh, Yamamoto. No, it's the Giants signing Zhang Ho Lee to a six-year, $113 million contract with an opt-out clause after his fourth season. Zhang Ho Lee is an absolute menace. He's a an absolute force. He's a middle infielder. He can play the outfield. You can put him anywhere. He's going to be a solid maybe 20 plus home runs. Going to average around maybe 280 north, maybe close to to the the three. He's going to be good. This was uh, his Jung Ho Lee, not not an English speaker. That's not his native tongue. He's Korean. This was, uh, he had a prepared statement. This is what I love about this guy. He made a prepared statement in English. Because he knew how to cater to his audience. And he's so happy. He's so happy to be in the majors. This is what Zhang Ho Lee said um, on his press conference, when uh, his introductory press conference. Hello, Giants. My name is Zhang Ho Lee, grandson of the wind from Korea. First, I would like to thank the Johnson family, Larry, Farhan, and Pete. Also, special thank you uh, my lawyer, Scott Boras, <laughs> and Boras Corporation. <clears throat> uh, 
I'm honored to sell this day with my mother and father. And thank you for helping to achieve my dream to play in MLB. I always have loved the Bay Area from coming here as a young ball player. I am here to win and will always give my best for teammates and fans. Let's go, Giants! <laughs> Thank you. That was perfect. That's exactly what was needed, needed to be said by Jung Ho Lee. I, he, you know how last season, last offseason, the Dodger, not Dodgers, the Giants were trying to get Aaron Judge, couldn't do it, he's a Yankee. They, they thought they signed a deal with Carlos Correa, couldn't pass his physical, they pulled the, the contract back, and I'm sticking there with the Carlos Correa thing. Carlos Correa and Jung Ho Lee could possibly be the same exact player, just Carlos Correa's older. Jung Ho Lee has more upside than what Carlos Correa has from just my mindset and view. I know it's a complete difference from going from league to league, especially from going from the KBO to the MLB. There's a there's an adjustment period there. We we seen that with G Man Choi. We we seen that yeah, with Yoshugo Susugo, um, uh, with um, now as a Giant. We've seen this with Ha Seung Kim of the Padres. It took him forever in order to translate and transition to his game to the majors, and now he's one of a he'll be a permanent all-star this upcoming season. He's going to get every day at bat still, which he did his last season. I, we saw a big step come up from Jung, um, uh, from Ha Seung Kim's rookie season to his sophomore season. This sophomore season was absolutely spectacular. Jung Ho Lee is going to start off probably how Ha Seung Kim just ended his season in 2020, 2023 or and Jung Arlees is going to go out there and absolutely tear. He's a former MVP of the KBO. He's an, uh, a multi-time all-star. He's absolutely, his accolades do carry himself. But there's a difference between leagues. I would say there, if you would rank the top three baseball organizations around the world globally, MLB is clearly number one. The MPP in Japan is number two, and the KBO is number three. That's how you can strategically place these things. At times, people might consider the KBO being like the... Being like if there was a 4A in baseball, it would be their 4A before you go to the major league level. And Jung-Ho Lee, especially as a Scott Boris, uh, as his agent, he's going to get as much money as he was trying to get, which $116 million for Jung-Ho Lee on six years is an absolute steal. And I think the I think the Giants won the lottery on this one. I, he's, I, I think he's so much better than Carlos Correa. So if... If that was the, the holdup, if there was a Carlos Correa situation there, and that was, that, that'd be ridiculous. Luckily, there isn't. So he is a, a San Francisco giant. Cl- the Bay side, close to Korea. I, I, could, I feel like majority of players who are overseas, either in Korea or Japan, are want to stick in closer to that West Coast side because it's a lot easier for friends, family, a nation can actually sit up, stay up late, wake up early, at, a, at least at a decent enough time in order to watch the, your favorite player play in Jung-Ho Lee. Anthony Racker, a former baseball player in the majors, discussed uh, Jung-Ho Lee's potential in the majors. I'm excited to watch this guy come over. I mean, he's got a, a similar profile when you look at the numbers to what Yoshida was able to do for the Red Sox this year. Good contact guy, have a high average guy. He'll take a walk, not quite to the same level, but this guy goes out there. He also gives you gold glove defense, and the fact that he's a little bit taller at six foot, a little bit younger at 25, I see his ceiling 
as being something that could be pretty special. I don't know if it's going to happen that first year. There's a pretty big adjustment period when you come over to Major League Baseball from the KBO. That said, if this guy goes out there and plays gold glove, gold glove caliber defense for you, and then just starts to come alive with the bat, and he can put together the type of year where he can go 300, maybe 20, 25 home runs. This kid could be something really special. So wherever he ends up, they're going to have a really good player on their hand, whether it's San Diego, San Francisco, or anywhere, because there are a lot of teams involved in this kid. And we, we know the San Francisco deal happened, and it's, it's just funny how the teams that he did allude to, San Diego or San Francisco, it's, it's like that's, that's, those are the, it's the West Coast type of mentality unless you're at st louis and somehow when you get uh oh uh, sung wong oh to come over come over and our kwang young kim from the kbo two kbo legends coming to the majors in a cardinals uniform that's what the the, the pitching part of a the pitching way from the kbo is to st louis i mean miles michaels as well i mean he was a kbo guy mpb dude so it's uh it's just it's funny i wish somehow the cardinals got jung holy but they don't need it they don't need it they, they, it's it's too crowded in the infield and outfield or the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, some done deals around Major League Baseball that we need to get to. Yankees, they signed right-handed pitcher Dwayne Underwood Jr. to a minor league contract. The reason why this made the list is because Underwood is, he could start for the the Yankees, or he can come out of the bullpen, either one. He could be a long reliever for them, and it would actually be work really well. Detroit Tigers, they signed right-handed pitcher Jack Flaherty to a one-year $14 million deal. Remember Jack Flaherty, St. Louis Cardinal guy, traded the Baltimore Orioles last season, had one good start for the Orioles. It was actually his first start for the Orioles, and after that was absolutely abysmal. But I feel like there's a lot of potential for Jack Flaherty here coming into this division as a Detroit Tiger. I was hoping the Kansas City Royals would have at least tried to have signed Jack Flaherty, but they ended up going with Seth Lugo. Around this time, and they also Michael Walker. That deal's happened. I was hoping they would get Michael Walker and Jack Flaherty. I thought those two made sense in a Kansas City Royals uniform, but it also makes sense for Jack Flaherty being in a Detroit Tigers uniform. He's coming into this this team with not really much expectations, not really much of a high ceiling. He's just one of a guy that's going to get you hopefully to eat you innings and hopefully stay healthy because once healthy and one and went on. Jack Flaherty is one of the most dominant pitchers in Major League Baseball. We've seen that with a, a three, four seasons with the St. Louis Cardinals, and granted the last two in his final year with in a Cardinals uniform didn't look good, didn't look great. It wasn't the Jack Flaherty that we saw early on in his career, but he still has a lot of potential and a lot left in this game that that the, the Tigers shelling out that one year for what fourteen? I said that that's a that's not a bad contract for a guy like Jack Flaherty who's on a prove it type of situation also getting paid for it i like this move for the tigers a lot the reds go out there and they sign a catcher austin waynes to a major league contract they, i i'd say it's a move to in order to uh, bolster that i guess the infield I don't know. It's it's a it's it's someone say it's a head scratching move that the Reds signed Austin Waynes, but they needed it. Red Sox signed right-handed pitcher Cooper Chriswell to a one-year one million dollar deal. Pirates signed first baseman Roddy Telez to a one-year three point two million dollar deal. Now this one's interesting because Rowdy's a guy that can hit thirty home runs, drive in hundred RBIs every single every single season if he could, but he also bats like a two hundred. He he bats in the low twos, and I don't expect Roddy Telez to play. This full season out in a Pirates uniform, he's, this is a trade candidate type of situation. We've seen these deals happen so many times, and it's going to continue to happen with the Pittsburgh Pirates because their organization is abysmal and this is a dumpster fire. So that's exactly what the what the Pirates are. They're going to trade Rowdy to, to Les probably at the deadline, and you're going to get a below average 
minor league baseball player. That's that's what this deal is all about. That's why they only gave him $3.2 million. Nationals, they signed right into pitcher Dylan Floro to a one-year $2.25 million deal. The Tigers signed. They also signed, re-signed. I mean, it's weird. You sign, you re-sign. I just know Andrew Chafin is back in the Detroit Tigers uniform on a one-year deal with a club option as well. So those are some of the handful of moves that have happened in baseball. We also saw the Athletics sign right into pitcher Trevor got to a one-year deal and they all, the Athletics also signed Gerardo uh, Reyes as well. But moves that have happened in Major League Baseball, the, trade-wise, the Braves acquired Matt Carpenter and Ray Kerr and also $1.5 million in cash from the Padres in exchange for outfitter Drew Campbell. So Matt Carpenter on the move once again. I, I love that guy. It's got to be the salsa. got to be the salsa when it's Matt Carpenter. The Pirates, they've acquired Edward Olivares from the Kansas City Royals in exchange for infielder Delvis Nadal. Don't know, don't know much about Nadal, but I know a lot about Edward Olivares. I bet he is happy he'll never have to experience the traffic of I-29 ever again between Kansas City and Omaha. So best of luck to you in a Pirates uniform, EO, because uh, you deserve it. And he was also a guy that was on that list of players of the 2023 eval season last year that is no longer on this team. So it's a great move by the Kansas City Royals moving on from that. The Brewers also acquired right-handed pitcher Taylor Clark from the Royals in exchange for right-handed pitcher Ryan Brady and also infielder Cam DeVinay. So Taylor Clark, didn't they just resign him to a deal and now they're trading him away? Doesn't matter. The Brewers get a, get a pitcher out of it while the Royals get a pitcher and a hitter to see if they can see if there's any upside in those guys. Pirates, they also acquired utility infielder Billy McKinney from the Yankees in exchange for international signing bonuses. Pool space, I hate the international signing pool space. Just absolutely dislike it. I feel like the players who are in that pool space definitely needs to go into the MLB draft, and they'll make the MLB draft a lot better. But hey, because just imagine, what if Jung-Ho Lee or... Or, uh, oh, Yamamoto were entered in this uh, this past year's, uh, well, draft. Like, that's how it should have been. They should have been entered in the draft last year, played out their remaining season over there in Japan, and then when they come up for this upcoming 2024 season, boom, they're thrusted into the majors. That's how it should be. But you know what? They're not going to listen to me because there's too much money out there in the international signing bonus that nobody wants to go away from. It's, 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 it's kind of like putting a cap on the uh, – Baseball, it's never going to happen. Kind of like with that, it's never going to happen. So Billy McKinney from the Yankees, utility guy. Pirates, they got a good one there, a super utility. They've Pirates made some tiny moves. Is it going to enough to help them win? No, it's, it won't. It won't. Yankees also are on the move as well. They've acquired left-handed pitcher Victor Gonzalez and Jabrit Vivas from the Dodgers in exchange for Trey Sweeney. Marlins acquired catcher Christian Bethancourt. From the Guardians in exchange for cash considerations. I didn't even know Christian Bethencourt was released from the Rays. He was picked up by the Guardians, and the Guardians were able to uh, flip him for cash, which was great by the Guardians at that point in time. And we'll take we'll take you, then we'll trade you in um, three weeks uh, or three months, and we'll get some money out of you. That's a good move for the Marlins, a money move for the Marlins. White Sox acquired catcher Max Stassi from the Braves in exchange for a player to be named later. Max Stassi was involved with uh, one of the trades to send, uh, oh, man, who was it? Uh, was it Fletcher? He was, a, he was a part of the Fletcher deal that sent them to Atlanta and on the way out. So that's what's going on. Some key dates, some key dates now in Major League Baseball. Knowing that free agency has begun, it's still going, it's continued to go on for the remainder of this offseason uh, leading up until, heck, even spring training, just the deals will be done by then. We'll, we'll know more quite time when it gets to February of where how everything's all laid out. But the next big date 
January 12th, deadline for teams for arbitration, eligible players to submit to any type of figures. That's the next upcoming date when it comes around this hot stove type-esque type of season. It's the Sarge Kramer here on the Bet 1660. There's a... Uh, I want to talk about the Royals again. No, no, don't talk about the Royals again. You can't talk about them two times in one hour. There's a guy on my list that he should be considered to be signed and done. We'll discuss more about that. We'll do that next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on The Bet 1660. I did too. No, I never seen that. No, no, did not see that. So I was coming at the bet sixteen sixty. I might have given you all the worst tease of what's happening this upcoming uh, this this segment before we get to the top of the hour. One of the worst teases ever. So I do apologize because I'm switching focus. I like to listen to the the Ben the Ben Verlander podcast. And they, he, he mentioned he's doing his top 50 players. And at 42, he said something about Paul Goldschmidt being the number 42 or number 41. I actually can't fully remember which, what number he's at. But I was thinking to myself, Paul Goldschmidt, he's due for a contract extension here, I think, at the end of this upcoming season or the season after. It might, I think it's the end of this upcoming season. And as a Cardinals fan, like I, I feel confident saying that here in the Kansas City market. As a Cardinals fan, I love Paul Goldschmidt, former MVP, has done so much for the community, done so much for St. Louis, all of that. But from what he showed me last season, I don't know if I want Paul Goldschmidt on a St. Louis Cardinals uniform after this after his contract's up. I love Paul Goldschmidt. Don't get me wrong. Love, love the dude. Love the dude. He's a power bat. He's been it was, been, it was excited when they acquired him in the offseason of 2018, going to the 2019 season. That's when they got him. And the rest has been history. Man, he's hitting 131 home runs in a St. Louis Cardinals uniform already. But it concerns me from what we saw last season, the drop from his MVP season to the to 2023 2022 had 35 home runs 115 RBIs batted a 317 in an MVP esque type of season slugged a 578 OPS was a 981 OPS plus was a 177 which is absolutely spectacular but his numbers dropped considerably it went from 35 home runs to 25 home runs last year 115 RBIs to 80 RBIs last year a 237 to a 268 batting average last year a 363 on base percentage, a 447 slugging, that dropped considerably. His OPS was an 810, just not good or good channel on the, the your, your your you know what I mean. Uh the, it just wasn't good. Just wasn't a good season and I'm out here thinking to myself we're like, okay. Cardinals are about to 
probably not unload the bag on Paul Goldschmidt. Goldie is, what, 36 years old, about to turn 37. He'll be, this will be his 36-year-old. He'll turn 37 on September 10th. So usually we start seeing the decline of the players right now. This is when your prime in baseball is officially over. Like Usually by the age of 35, maybe 34, is when we start seeing the decline. We saw the age 35 season, though, Paul Goldschmidt, MVP. In 30, no, well, actually, age 34 season, because he was 35 basically all of last season, turned 36. This is his 30, age 36 season. So once Pauly, once Pauly G turned 35, it just went downhill for the man. And I remember the last time, the last time the Cardinals had a first baseman, and like I'd say a long person that's been there that was in that same spot for where Paul Goldschmidt's at, it really wasn't for a long time. Matt Carpenter played there for a couple of seasons. We saw Matt Adams play there. We saw Alan Craig play there. We've seen Albert Pujols play there. That's who we've seen at the first base spot. I know Mark Reynolds has been there. Um, uh, Brandon Moss has been there. I, I know those players have been there too, but those are like one type of season. It's going to be a weird. This is going to be almost similar to when filling the shoes. Uh, our pulse, even our pulse, even came back and finished his time there. But it's just, is it worth the time? Is it worth the effort? Is it worth the money to try and sign Paul Goldsmith back to a deal? I don't think it is. I don't see the room for him in a Cardinals uniform anymore. He's done his time. It's time for him to let go. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season of 2024. So I think we should probably give him his well wishes, make this his final year in Kansas, um, at St. Louis, and move on. And I already know I brought up the guy's name earlier on on the show. This is the right time to sign Reese Hoskins to a multi-year deal if you're St. Louis. And DH him or DH Paul Goldschmidt. I know. There's a lot of room on that infield. There's a there's not a lot of room actually. There's there's a there's not a lot of room. I don't know why I said there's a lot of room because there's not. I don't even know who the Cardinals DH is going to be because I know Nolan Gordon's been DH. Nolan Arenado has been the DH. Wilson Contreras has been the DH. Paul Goldschmidt's been the DH. Brandon Donovan's been the DH. Everybody I feel like on the Cardinals team, Jordan Walker has been the DH. Everybody has been able to play the DH role. And one guy that they've had there being the DH, no longer there anymore, which was Tyler O'Neill. So you can you can expect him not to be there because he's in Boston Red Sox uniform. So, but I believe this is the time the Cardinals need to make a move on a big polarizing first baseman because we saw the struggles. I've seen the struggles after our pools has left the Cardinals organization. Go out to LA. They tried to replace that with Matt Adams. It did not work out whatsoever. I think at the age of 13, 14, 15, I was able to play better at first baseman defensive-wise than what Matt Adams has done in Major League Baseball. Sorry, Matt Adams, but I feel like that's the truth. I love you, dude. I love you. I love you so much what you've done to St. Louis, but I felt like at the time when our pools left, I was like, I feel like I could play first base. I feel like I could be the guy that could be there right now. And that was the hopes and dreams as a, a, a 13, 14, 15-year-old that I had. So Paul Goldschmidt, I love you, man. But I think it's it's time. I don't think the Cardinals need to sign resign uh, Paul Goldschmidt at the end of next season. I know it's the end of next season, so thanks to having hey, can you even be traded in the middle of part of this season if things don't go right for the St. Louis Cardinals now? Which I don't think that's ever going to happen. The Cardinals are going to be a postseason team. They're, actually, they could win the postseason. They, they win the World Series this year with how their team's about ready to do unload with all the pitching stuff they've done. I wish they'd done more moves, kind of like what the Royals have been doing. 
especially in that bullpen. That'd be nice. This is Sarah's Screen Around the Bet 1660. Hour two. Next. You're listening to Saturdays with Kramer on the Bet 1660.